The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the show for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue... Planet Comic Con, hotties in wheelchairs, clones, and or Batman. Plus, you can't mix life and anti-life. And also, <laughs> comics, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Spoiler Prize. It's two-year and counting mission to review strange new comics, to seek out new stories and new takes on old stories, to boldly split infinitives that no man has split before. <laughs> the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Uh, some of you may be tuning in for the J.M. DeMattis uh, interview. We're actually pushing that off till Saturday. Yes, we're having a second week of Saturday episodes hmm. here at Major Spoilers. Now, what do you two, mean? Two, some of, two weeks Some people might be going, what do you mean second week? Well, last Saturday, you might want to go back into the archives and listen to episode 85 or issue 85, where I talk with Chip Mosier and Shannon Wheeler, the creator behind Too Much Coffee Man, and they really give an excellent, this is going to be the first part in a continuing series, a really excellent, in-depth kind of tips and hints and things you might want to consider if you're a comic book publisher or an independent uh Pub, uh, creator who wants to make it big. Mm. They've got some good information in there. That's uh, Major Spoilers podcast number 85. 85, 85, 85, 85. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we got some news this week. We have three items once again. Uh, the first one is The Bats Out of the Bag. Dun, the dun. second one is Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Batman, The Brave and the Bold Return for yet another season. Dun, 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 dun. Or number three, Marvel Creates Writer's Circle. Dun, 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 dun. So we're going to spin the wheel of morality, wheel of destiny. There goes the dollar. Oh, wah, wah, wah. No, we come up with number two, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Batman the Brave and the Bold return for yet another season. Cartoon Network in their upfronts uh, this past week announced that, yes, indeed, they were bringing both of these uh, animated series back to the Cartoon Network, but the Cartoon Network isn't going to be called the Cartoon Network anymore. <gasps> they don't know what it's going to be named because they're going to have a lot of more live uh, action scripted series that are mm. going to come in there. Uh, but mm. I was just really pleased as punch to see Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Batman both get a second season. Matthew, they should call Rodrigo? it Adult Swimmingtons. Oh, there we go. Thoughts I on actually the started recording The Brave and the Bold this last week or two. Yeah. My daughter and I have been watching it together. Mm -hmm. Wow. See, this Just, is the... Wow. That's the, the episode thing. The first one that I saw was Owlman. Mm-hmm. It was actually a two-parter. Yeah, the second part of the Owlman series, where Batman looks like, you know, the 60s Batman is drawn by Carmine Infantino. Owlman's costume mm -hmm. is the original Bob Kane costume, Circuit Detective Comics 27, including the little purple gloves and the big pointy ears. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that most of the people watching the show have no idea mm. what I'm talking about. Most of the people listening to this show may not know what I'm talking about. But for me, it was just like, holy crap. Well, here's what makes this series work. And I talk about it with uh, J.M. DeMattis in 
Saturday's podcast, episode 87. Uh, 787, 87. He's actually written several of the episodes Mm -hmm. of Batman the Anime, of The Brave and the Bold. And what's cool is on the top surface, it's a very children esque show. Yeah. It's not Batman the It's totally kid friendly. It's different from that creepy Batman Strikes series that was on before. It's. A uh, lot different than Batman the Animated Series, and is a different take of Justice League, even though it appears like they're trying to cram as many Justice League characters into the Batman oh, sure. Brave and the Bold because of the nature of the series. Uh, but on the surface, it's great for kids, and my son will sit down and watch all 30 minutes of the show. But underneath are all of these great homages to the comic books and the original stories that they're drawing inspiration from to where mm-hmm. adults and geeks like all of us can sit down and go, Oh, damn, he didn't just put that in there. Yep. There is a great episode that JM wrote. Uh, it was a, um episode where, and I don't know if it's Blue Beetle, and uh, the, J- the, the Jaime Reyes character, and Batman travel to Oa to fight against Despero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a scene where Guy Gardner and Batman are arguing, and Nort is standing there, and Batman just punches Guy Gardner out, and Nort's the one going, what punch? He did it! Punch, nice. which is a, a, a an homage to the the jail. Was it you or I at the time? At that time, it would have just been the Justice League. No, no, I think it was International or, or Europe no. at that time. Uh, it was not Justice League International until issue eight, and that scene took place in Justice League Volume Two, Number Four or Five, okay. I think. But you know that was also written by JM, and yep. you know we kind of talk about that in that interview. So look forward to that. Woo-hoo. As far as Star Wars goes, man, the Clone Wars. If you guys haven't been watching that series, it's actually a really solid series that's in continuity. Granted, it takes place between episodes two and three, mm-hmm. but Rodrigo and I have watched a couple episodes. I've got it as a permanent download from iTunes. I try to catch it on the Cartoon Network when it's on. What do you think, Rodrigo? Good show? Bad show? Don't care? Um, aside aside from the, the the propensity for just straight up hijinks episodes, right? Like just the uh, Jar Jar Binks, Jar Jar running yeah. around, or or the fact that the uh, the the battle droids have have turned oh, into the, the Three Stooges. Yeah, that's the well, only not bad even thing. into the Three Stooges because they talk too much. Right. Um. J- just that that is a problem with the series. Everything else, I mean, it just. Uh, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the first uh, Clone Wars series right. that Cartoon Network put out, and this is, I mean, this this. This excites me. It's it's, it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. um, except you know I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the way that they've modeled the characters. Mm-hmm. But once you get past that, it's you know it's all action. It's all cool. Mm-hmm. Um, blaster fights, lightsabers, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no transformer action though. No. Um, I have been kind of talking back and forth with the person that sends us the PR from from Lucasfilm. And I asked her the other day, I said, is, do they really have a five-year plan for this show? Because that's what Lucas had said at one point, that we have a 100-episode plan mm-hmm. for this series. And she said at that time she didn't know. But now that they've announced that a second season, I bet that they're gearing up to make this a 100-episode huge story arc that will dovetail right into that uh, first animated series and then right into the third movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be exciting. Uh, okay, so that is it for our big uh, news of three, one of three. If you want to find out about these other news stories, make sure you head over to the Majorspoilers.com website. We've got news stories going up all the time. All the time. We've also got a lot of emails coming in to the Major Spoilers podcast that people can write to us at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. 
Rodrigo, what's in the mailbag this week? Let's see. Um, this is from Greg. Hi, Greg. I don't know if you'll bring it up in the podcast. Apparently we are. <laughs> but did any of the major spoilers crew brave the snowpocalypse and attend Planet Comic Con? I attended both days, having dropped $48 on advanced tickets. I wasn't going to let something like a freak spring snowstorm stop me. And was pleasantly surprised at the number of people at the convention. Every year I have to talk myself into going to this show, and each year I am pleased I went. From time to time, I scanned the crowd looking for anything major spoilers related, but nothing caught my eye. Continued success with the website and the podcast, Greg A. From Shawnee, Kansas. From well, Shawnee, Kansas. All right, two parts to this, because there's a Steven Rodrigo story, yes. and then there's a Matthew story. My so, story's good. So <laughs> Wednesday morning, Ours is or at 3, 3 a.m. Thursday morning, I've got the severe weather alert right next to our bed in right. case there's a tornado or something so we can wake up in the middle of the night. Thing goes off. My wife and I jump up. Uh, severe blizzard warning in effect for the following counties. You can expect anywhere from 6 to 18 inches of snow repeating bop, 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 bop. And so we were a little concerned that we might have some bad weather if we were going to drive out. Thursday evening, all the GD weathercasters, I hate these people. These are my new arch nemesis. <laughs> okay? Nemesis. The nemesis. They kept saying, oh, yes, you know, this area is going to be blanketed in snow, all this snow, blah, 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 blah. By Friday afternoon, uh, there could be seven inches of snow on the ground. And so Thursday evening, my wife and I talked it over. We said... You know, we really don't want to try to drive to Kansas City. It's a five-hour drive if the road conditions are bad, and we certainly don't want to have to come back on Sunday and try to dig everything out if we get all this snow. And so we made the decision on Thursday evening to cancel the trip because we had hotel reservations and we didn't want to get charged for that. Mm-hmm. So I called Rodrigo and I said, hey, man, this is Steven. Got some bad news. Oh. Uh, you know this weather thing that's coming on? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to be going to the going to the show because we don't want to get stranded or stuck or anything like that. All right. Well, I'm only doing it because the cool kids are doing it. And if uh, you guys aren't going, and if Mason isn't going, then I'm not going. <laughs> All right, man. Well, if you got hotel reservations, you might want to cancel them. Yeah, I didn't get to that on time. Charged oh, me 80 bucks. No. Oh, son of a gun. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, that's all right. I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was pretty freaked out because looking at the weather report, it kind of went back and forth between, eh, you know, we might get a little bit of snow and the frozen inner disk of hell is going to <laughs> manifest itself on top of Kansas. And uh, repent. So Friday morning comes, not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Friday noon comes, clouds start moving in, and there's a little few drifts of snow, little yeah. dots of snow here and there. Nothing really bad. In fact, the school canceled. My son's school got canceled, and so the daycare was canceled. So I was stuck at home all day with him. We're looking outside. Sometimes it blows a little flurry. But by Friday afternoon, streets are dry. There's nary a drop of snow to be seen in the city of Hayes. And I'm sitting to myself, oh, these damn weathercasters, they have, they have taken my one thing that I was looking forward to the most this year and ruined it. Yeah. I shall kill them all. Now, as, 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 an, as an epilogue to this, some of my friends did go out to Kansas City because there was a magic tournament going on right. there at the time as well. And um, they got run off the road by a snowplow. Uh, so and they had to wait in a ditch for like an hour and a half for somebody to come fish them out. Yeah, and apparently, I, I, my understanding is there are some other people from Hayes who went to Kansas City on Saturday afternoon. They said they were driving 40 miles an hour back home mm-hmm. because of the ice that built the up. Ice, yeah. Now, had Rodrigo and I had gone, we would have had t-shirts, we would have had all these great things that you certainly would have seen a major spoiler's presence. Which brings us to part two of our story. Matthew, 
Hi, I'm the major spoilers presence. <laughs> um, we had we had likewise some reservations about it, but my wife was absolutely thrilled to go possibly see Aaron Gray, and, and my who daughter wouldn't be thrilled. My daughter didn't know what a comic con was, but she was absolutely thrilled to go. And you know, I'm figuring, hey, you know, I'm gonna have some fun. I'm gonna be amongst like-minded peoples. Worst case scenario, there might be some girls in Supergirl costumes. Ah, yes, eye candy. So I, you know, we get in my enormous red car on Saturday morning. It's wet. Don't get me wrong. There's some some ice on the ground because it rained and froze. Right. But it's you know it's nothing terrible. I was doing fifty five sixty all the way over to Kansas City. By the time I actually got to Kansas City, the roads were wet but clear. Mm-hmm. So I pull in, and of course, being me, I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> we end up parking on the back yes, side of the I convention did that the center. First, the first year I went, I did the exact same thing. And then walking all the way around, which didn't seem like a problem at the time. Yeah. <laughs> we enter. Of course, we're pre-registered. So the 5,700 people standing there got to see the fat guy and his family just go, hi, you suck, and walk right past him. And we entered the floor. It was an excellent convention. I mean, the crowd was really good. People were having fun. There weren't a lot of the problems that I associate with um, comic conventions, not as a specifically Comic-Con, Planet Comic-Con, but conventions. Um, the the lanes, the, the egress was clear. Yep. It was easy to access. We had some really nice – you had some clean booths. We had friendly people, people who were willing to talk to you to help you look for things. Um, there was a young lady dressed as Supergirl who gave an autograph to my daughter. Aww. As Supergirl or as herself? As Supergirl. Okay. And she signed it to to a Supergirl. You know, we went around Aww. we saw the, the young lady in the Catwoman costume. Yeah. Um, young lady in the Supergirl costume in the pictures. Uh, the gentleman who I believe is Barbarossa, but I'm not sure. The pirate fighting the alien. Saw the pirate, not the alien. Iron Man and Ironmonger we saw briefly. Um, I looked around. One problem that I had is going to a convention with a five-year-old. You don't have time to really dig through the back issue bins. Right, Mm -hmm. right. But we picked up a few things. I picked up an issue of Tales of the Zombie that I've been looking for for, let's say, 25 years. Okay. I buy an issue of Tales of the Zombie every five years or so, and eventually I'm going to finish my collection, and then I will die. (laughs) Um, uh, we I had a nice talk with Jeff Moy, who used to draw Legion of Superheroes. My daughter was telling him that uh, Saturn Girl was his favorite or her favorite, and he gave us a little print. I mean, it's actually nicely done. It's a print of the Legion that he had drawn. It's signed and numbered, and he just gave it to Molly because oh, she's nice. a Legion fan. That it was is very nice. sweet. Um, I had a brief conversation with uh, Rick Stacy, an artist who had done some work for Marvel and DC back in the day. We went through and got a few autographs. I didn't get to see Matt Fraction. Oh, that was a think, shame. Yeah, he was at lunch. I went through. We bought some. Uh, I bought my first Mini Mate. Oh, excellent! They What'd had a Jay Garrick Mini Mate. Oh, cool! Nice. And Molly had five dollars to spend, and she bought a bag full of Street Fighter Mini Mates, which are going to be all over my house, poking me in the feet soon. <laughs> uh, it was a good show. It was uh, about halfway through our stay, we started seeing the snow mm-hmm. and lots of snow. And it hit really hard for a really short time to the point where we were concerned and my wife and I decided about 5 o'clock Saturday we were going to jet. As I walked to the car, which, mind you, <laughs> all the way around the back, yeah, I wasn't wearing a coat. I was wearing my rain jacket, which doesn't have a zipper, Yeesh. over a black T-shirt, which – 
doesn't provide any coverage. I'm getting hit in the face with this stinging, freezing rain and thinking, you know, uh, I could be home right now. But overall, by the time we actually got in the car and got halfway home, it cleared up again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was uh, one of those moments where you feel like a fool for being overly cautious. But my one joy, my one joy, really, because the nice thing about the Planet Comic Con, and, and we've gone three or four times the wife and I, and then last year we took the one-year-old with us, and he slept most of the time, so that was nice. But the nice thing about the Planet Comic Con, and if you guys get a chance to, to do it, it's a small show. It's not, a, it's not something where you're going to be fighting 100,000 people. Right. All right? They've got vendors out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. They also have guests out the wazoo. They really do an, an excellent job of bringing in big-name talent like Aaron Gray or... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew. P- Peter Mayhew, Playboy Playmates. They've got them too. They've also got a lot mm. of the artists from the Kansas City area that come to the show to do sh- signings. It's a really fun, good show. And if you've never been to a comic book convention, uh, then I would recommend going to a smaller show before you go to San Diego or Emerald City or or New York mm. or WonderCon or any of those. Go to a smaller show first. Get the feel for it, and then progressively move yourself up. And that's what my wife and I did uh, right before we went to the San Diego Comic-Con, is we went to a bunch of smaller shows. Lawrence has another show. Uh, it's not really a convention. It's the Kansas uh, Free Con. Mm-hmm. I, I forget when that one occurs. Um, but that's I a really, believe Midsummer. Yeah, it's a really, really small show. But if you're looking for, for stuff, that's a, that's a show to go to. So. Yes, unfortunately, we didn't have the major spoilers, major presence like we hoped. None of the T-shirts came in, none of the other things, but at least... Matthew, did you run into some any major spoilerites? I ran into people that I knew from Topeka. Ah, okay. A couple, but no one who was like, hey, aren't you the fat guy who writes about <laughs> former St- Captain America Steve Rogers being dead? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's me. But overall, the the enjoyable portion of the show for me was the fact that there really weren't major downsides. It wasn't something to where I felt like we were crowded, wasn't overly hot, aside from you know the weather being a pain in the patukas, uh, making Lady Blackhawk and Oracle leave as I was arriving, mm-hmm. which upset me greatly. Well, if you want to you see know, some it, of these pictures that we're talking about, head over to Major Spoilers. Look for the uh, piece called Casey Planet Comic Con 2009 Photo Parade. Mm-hmm. And you will. Stacy uh, was very happy to. Uh, she actually got to speak to Aaron Gray. Cool. Um, the panel room was wonderful. It was, a, it was a big open space. There was plenty of seating. Um, the audio was good, which is something that's always you know a problem and something that I take personally, having right. my background in in radio as I do. But I mean, overall, I had no complaints at all. They were really pleasant for the moment we got in. They stamped our hand. They said, "You can just walk around the line." In fact, her exact words were, you can walk around these poor fools who didn't have the sense to pre-register. <laughs> I still have on the back of my hand, It's it, the little stamp was Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy. Oh, cool. Nice. Yep, in bright red ink. So for like two days, people have asked me, hey, did you go to the Comic-Con? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So there you go, Greg. Uh, we will try to make another show sometime soon. I'm going to have to look at the convention schedule and see if there's one in either Oklahoma or Denver anytime soon that we might be all able to make it to. Otherwise, it'll be Planet Comic Con next year. All right. It is now time to hit up some reviews. 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 
issues. All right, so I will start. Let's see, Matthew. When did your issue come out? Last week. Um, my issue came out Wednesday. Oh, okay. So last Wednesday. No, Wednesday. Oh, tomorrow Wednesday. All right. No. So tomorrow is tomorrow. Wednesday right. was Wednesday. Ah, okay. So there won't be a last Wednesday until there's another Wednesday. <laughs> Hello, future people. I'm so confused. So I'm going to talk about uh, Battle of the Cal Oracle, the Cure, number one of three. Uh, <sighs> written by Kevin Van Hook, art by Don Kramer and Jay Liston. 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 This I is see. the story that features Oracle post Birds of Prey returning back to Gotham City and. For whatever reason. She's back in Gotham City, right? Ha. Huh. And she's trying to make it in an apartment building, and it's great because she's hacked into the building's power grid and is trying to use that to uh, to access her computer system. Her big part of her story is she's trying to find the anti-life equation, all the little remnants that have been left over since Final Crisis. Hmm. Okay, And so she has other hacker friends out and about in the world also looking for bits and pieces of the, final, uh, the um, anti-life equation. Her nemesis, once again, is the calculator, who I wish somebody would get their continuity straight because the last time we saw him in Birds of Prey, he was a giant robot monster. Then in Final Crisis, he was being hung by um, uh, Libra. Mm -hmm. And now we find out he's got a daughter who, uh, I guess I didn't realize this, is Wendy from the Teen Titans, who was mauled by the giant dog. Uh, And he's trying to find a cure for her, hence probably the name of this series, the Cure. Good band, good band. And uh, yeah, and so he's got some crazy diamonds that will do something strange, make your head explode. Uh, he's got uh, he's trying to track down Oracle and these other bits of the anti life equation. And we pretty much get the setup of what the calculator is doing online and Barbara's reaction to that. So not a whole lot goes on in this story except for it's a great setup. Um, the calculator continuity issue is a big problem for me, much as is canceling Birds of Prey. But overall, not that bad of an issue. I like the art. I like the pacing of the story. I like the fact that we get to see a, a semi-naked uh, Barbara taking a shower. And uh, I'm going to give this issue three and a half out of five slices of meatloaf. Not oh, dearie, dearie, dear. You, you didn't think it was that good? I, I I make a point never to undermine people whose opinions I respect. So let me tell you where you're wrong. <laughs> well, I just – there are some problems with it. I mean it's not super bad, but I mean if you take it from – Nah, super bad's a movie. <laughs> super bad. I mean it's not it, – it certainly has its problems and it's certainly not one of my favorite things of all time. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll take it back it's to got, three. It's but. got the voice of the character coming from a place that I've never heard it. Right. I mean – Right. Yeah, I mean, in the DC universe, time goes differently, and I understand that Barbara may have only been Oracle, may have only been paralyzed for a year or two her time. It's been 20 years our time, so it feels right. like forever, but right. why now Exactly. Well, there's would nothing she that... suddenly turn all grim and gritty? Because, I'll tell you why, she's in a bat book again. Right. Well, that and she's had to face down the Joker twice, but I, oh, I don't know. It's not... It's not groundbreaking. It is filler material until we can get to the end of Battle for the Cowl. It is a way for for DC to say, hey, we realized we canceled a very popular series that had kind of taken a downturn, and here's your Oracle. But it's not Oracle. They've taken everything that made the character unique and undermined it for the sake of some 
grim and gritty 80s era arg garg you know well you don't want flooding the chest cavity you thing. don't want to hear my review of gordon uh the other the other series that came out oh the i last never week. want to hear your reviews but that's neither here nor there hey ah, what that, that oh i'm was, sorry all right so let's go with you with uh something from marvel okay please all right this week, I'm actually uh, somewhat current, which I haven't been in for freaking ever. Yeah, tell me uh, about it. Gosh. Uh, gosh. Tina, come get some ham. Shut up. Um, <laughs> Napoleon Schleicher might. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. This you got to go to the comic I'm looking at God. Nova, number 23. Nova, the series that makes Rodrigo ask me what doesn't go and then hits me in the head for making a terrible Excuse joke. Excuse me, El Mati Twice. Peterson, what does not go? See, <laughs> si. Hello, I'm Rodrigo. You know, the sad part is you actually speak better English than both of us ever does. <laughs> and we mock you for being bilingual because uh, we suck. Well, Nova, protector of the universe. Wait, that wasn't there last issue. But then again, last issue... Rich was a Nova Centurion and wasn't about to die. Dun, dun, dun. For those of you who have been reading Nova regularly, and if you haven't, you can check out my reviews at www.majorspoilers.com. New reviews up every day, I might add. And lately we've been having a lot of advanced reviews, so Mm. do check them out. We're we're at the point now where sometimes we have more than one review every day. One good one and one Steven one. Uh, Oh! Oh! That's my last Stephen Cheap shot for the rest of the show. Set and phasers on Zing. Don't believe Matthew, anything that Matthew says. <laughs> anyway, at the end of last issue, uh, Rich Quit was... undermining me! Quit undermining me! Ah! <laughs> Rich was depowered as a member of the Nova Corps because World Mind said that he was out of his mind. Okay, that makes perfect sense. The World Mind, of course, the central uni- repository of the Nova Force and all the life of Xandar. Sort of think of it as the last guardian of the universe, to put it in a metaphor. And started rebuilding the Nova Core, read that as Green Lantern Core, using the planet Ego, which we'll call Mogo, as their headquarters. And Rich was drummed out of the core and found out that while he was not insane, he was about to die. So now he's powerless, now he's about to croak, and his baby brother is Nova. But we also found out that it's World Mind who's technically gone insane. This issue has an interesting moment in the first few pages that don't work for me, that does not work for me, rather, in that Quasar, Wendell Vaughn, who died a couple of years ago, has been a supporting character in this book as a disembodied creature of light. In the first few pages, Quasar and Nova are talking. All of a sudden, Quasar goes, wait, do you feel that? And disappears into the pages of Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, which I'll be reviewing in the next couple of days. Depending Ooh. on when you listen to the episode. Hello, future people. I'm sorry, I had to do it. So we go through this issue, and the basic upshot of it all is World Mind is insane. Nova has no powers. Nova's about to die. Uh, at the worst possible time... Uh, Norman Osborn comes in, shuts down Project Pegasus, the last chance Rich had to not die. So we get to the issue, and there's a whole lot of sermon drawing about, I'm going to die. No, wait, I'll save you. No, wait, you can't save me. We find out that a main supporting character is actually a member of AIM, which is sort of the equivalent of Hydra. Was that that toothpaste group from the 1980s? AIM are the ones who have the big yellow hats that look like erasers. Yeah, they're like uh, the, beekeeper. Okay. the beekeeper. Oh, guys. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah, guys yeah. are awesome. Okay. 
So someone that we've come to know and trust as a character in the book is actually part of a minor supervillain group. We and at the end of the issue, deus ex machina. Uh-oh. Quasar returns from the stars with his old quantum bands that made him Quasar, which he then gives to Rich, the former Nova, who then becomes the new Quasar. Now, I've recently made remarks about, you know, the Marvel Universe being a little confusing in that there are two people calling themselves Hawkeye right now, and neither of them are actually Hawkeye because Hawkeye's calling himself Ronan, except Ronan used to be Echo, but Echo's not really Ronan because Echo's also not Iron Man. But now we have Quasar vol- Volume 1 giving his powers to Nova Volume 1, while Quasar Volume 3 is off in Guardians of the Galaxy, and there are 300 other Novas in this book. Overall, this issue does what it's supposed to do, which is get us from the point where Rich Rider, Nova, is expecting to die to the point where he has all new powers, which theoretically can save his life. The quantum bands seem to be able to arrest whatever's wrong with him. The problem that I have with it does a couple of things. First, it makes superpowers in the Marvel Universe seem pretty much as cheap as a soda down at the... uh, you know, the uh, neighborhood delicatessen. But it also takes another name slash legacy and puts it in a weird place. And I'm bothered by the fact that Quasar has been appearing in this book while a different Quasar has been appearing in another book. Now they've resolved part of that issue, but we have yet another possible Quasar in play. A quasi-Quasar, so to speak. If you will. And my quandary about the quasi-Quasar is that quintessentially speaking, it don't make sense. Is he quasi? Quasi? Are you out of your mind? Quasi? I thought I'd die. Overall, it's not a bad book. It's very well drawn. Um, I really like the artist on Nova right now. Um, What is his name? DeVito? Andrea DeVito, which may be a man or a woman. I'm not sure. I believe Andrea DeVito is a man. Thank God it wasn't Danny. Yeah, there you go. Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, DNA, the guys who revamped the Legion several years ago, who've kind of made their name on cosmic uh, flooby doobies. Oh, man, really I love doing, those. Yeah, yeah they're doing a good job with the this. 7-Eleven. Thank you. They're taking the obvious parallels of the Nova Corps and the Green Lantern Corps and holding them up to the light and saying, okay, well, yes, this looks familiar, this looks simple, this looks similar, but look over here. Right. So I like that. But... Again, I have a problem when we get to part four of six where I feel like I'm not getting a satisfying chunk of the story. Padding. Yeah, they've set up the initial problem. They've set up the whole world mind is crazy. Rich is going to die. How will Nova get out of this one? And then there's episode four, which kind of goes, and how will Nova get out of this one? And it it seems like that moment in the Brown Hornet where he miraculously escapes unharmed only to be back in, you know, mortal danger next week. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the issue. It just – it didn't didn't feel like a complete reading experience to me. Nova 23 is – I'll go middle of the road. 2.5 slices of meatloaf. Okay. It's it's well drawn. It's well written. It's going someplace interesting. There's nothing about it that – wasn't enjoyable except for the fact that it it, it didn't feel like a full comic book worth of story Mm -hmm. so the enjoyment was there it just didn't feel like all the enjoyment that i wanted from a full issue of nova you know with that explanation matthew and and rethinking about oracle you know i might still give it three and a half slices of meatloaf but by the end of the meal there may still be a full slice left on my plate 
Mm, How about that? All right, so let's get to the uh, new review. Not the new zoo review, but the new review. Right. Come and ride at you. <laughs> Are you familiar with that reference? Over my head. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. That's so far before your time. It's to be protozoological. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. It was kind of like Darkwing Duck, only not good. Oh, <laughs> Except nice. that it had a great theme song. Uh, it's the new zoo review. Come and Come ride home with you. you. All right. Anyway, so last week, Rodrigo, you uh, graced us with your your very excellent review of the Muppet Show comic book number one. Mm-hmm. This year, you're also diving into another boom Disney Pixar. Well, not really uh, Pixar property. Yeah. With uh, Cars. Cars. The Rookie number one. Oh, the Rookie. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's it's. Ooh, is it a prequel? It is a prequel to Cars, sort of. Uh, well, no, I mean it basically is. Basically, the 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 book starts out with. Um, Lightning McQueen, the, the main character of Cars, being interviewed and sort of uh, goes off into a flashback about how he qualified Ka-chow! Ka-chow! for the Piston Cup, which uh-huh. is the big uh, thing that they're doing. He did what in his cup? <laughs> hey, now, this is children's entertainment. That joke is um. in the movie, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mater makes That's that joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I, I really liked Car- I, I really liked the movie when I when I saw it, and I have, uh, and I and I liked it even more because my nephew really likes it. Yeah, and he sits there and talks to me about it, and he can't really talk, so he's just sitting there like basically babbling. And I'm like, you know, I don't remember Song of the South um, having any cars in it, but it sounds great. Um. So I was I was really looking forward to this. It kind of fell a little flat for me, really, um, because uh, you're not an eight the, year old. At and that might be part of it. At the beginning of the movie and in the entirety of this book, Lightning McQueen is a jackass. Ah, really? Yeah, he is not a terribly sympathetic character at all. Kind of like and, Rory the the road road race car. You're, apparently, you don't watch. <laughs> Apparently, you don't watch uh, children's programming no, that often. No, <laughs> so only on. only hey. the stuff that comes out on a, of a PBS. I, I thought that was a PBS show, but well, maybe anyway. Moving right maybe along, maybe it's on weekends. Another red racing car, right? Um, the uh, basically the story is um, sort of the, the 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 point of the story is kind of the juxtaposition between what he's saying and what you're actually seeing because mm-hmm. you see the text boxes of what he's saying. You know, I was like, I was really good, and everybody had a lot of respect for me, and everybody was like, oh, that jerk. You know, that right, 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 right. So, you know, it's cute. It's very basic. It's it's one step above very basic storytelling, and it's aimed at kids. So this, you know, could be an introduction for a kid to kind of like the discrepancies between the stories that people tell, and it's interesting. Um, it's very much aimed at kids um, to the point where sometimes they make very explicit points like maybe if we work together we can accomplish something like oh, you know it's right, like right, right, very right. like straight up here it is here's exactly what's happening right um which i didn't obviously i mean seeing who it's aimed for it is not a drawback mm-hmm. um the end of the issue is basically lightning mcqueen runs off and then the truck that carries a mac mm-hmm. rolls in and he's like uh would you like to know how that really happened or you know what really happened next and then that's kind of the cliffhanger for the next issue. So ah, you're going to okay. essentially get Max 
story. I see. Um, for the next issue. I see. All right. Um, all in all, I'd give it probably two and a half slices of meatloaf. Okay. Um, because it's hard to empathize with the with the main character being such a jerk, and it's not aimed at me at all. Would you let your little nephew read it? Um, no, because he'd. If it was actually in comic form, he'd obliterate it. Right. And I wouldn't let him near my computer. <laughs> when he got a little older, I, I'd probably let him read it. Okay. Do you think he'd have a greater joy from oh, it? Oh, absolutely. If, if if he got a hold of it, he'd probably do what he does with his like big, fluffy Lightning McQueen toy, which is drag slop, it all over the all house, um, put it on top of things, and then drop things off the table with it. Okay. All right. There you go. A look at reviews. That sound can only mean one thing, ladies and gentlemen. We've come to the big <laughs> part of our show. Heart attack. Yes, that's the sound <laughs> of the sirens coming to carry Matthew away. No, we're going to be talking about Star Trek. And what better a person to talk Star Trek than one of the biggest geeks that I know, Mr. Scott hey, Johnson. I resemble that No, remark. no, 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 not you. Scott Johnson, the guy from oh. Extra Life at MyExtraLife.com, host of hey. multiple podcasts, My uh, Extra Life Radio, the Instance, uh, Diary of a Cartoonist. Uh, what's your gamer one called? Uh, I've got one called uh, The Final Score. That's right. And uh, got- there's something on the horizon that no one knows about yet called Current Geek, but uh, that'll that'll have to come oh, later. Did you hear no that? Details. That was a little spoiler right there, people. Exclusive announcement. Yeah. Geek food. We're sorry, Russell. We didn't mean to. Uh. <laughs> there's Extra Life TV. Oh, I mean, it just doesn't end. It's this huge laundry list of crap. That I push on the internet. <laughs> and on top of all of that, Scott, you've got this big event coming up May 8th in uh, Utah. Tell us yes, about this. Yes, of, of which Major Spoilers is now a three-year running sponsor of us. See, I, I wasn't going to mention that, but now that you mention it, yes, we are a three-time well, we sponsor. Don't wanna, we don't want to mention it because we don't want people to think I'm on tonight because this is somehow some sort of you know payoff or whatever. I would have done this no matter what. Uh, but but yeah, the payoff was it. just gravy. <laughs> <laughs> and this time we didn't forget the gravy. <laughs> so what is what is Nerdtacular three? Nerdtacular is having it's a, it's basically a big fan appreciation event and uh, started two years ago or let's see yeah three first year ago. was two thousand seven oh, okay. I thought I'm gonna go see Spider Man three and then I thought well, why don't I see if some friends want to go and then I thought well, wouldn't it be fun if like fans of the website and the radio shows and that came and then I thought well why don't I buy those tickets and make it sort of an appreciation kind of event and have giveaways and stuff like that and that's kind of where the genesis was and they all came and uh, that year we did uh, I think a 126 seat theater this year or last year we did 200 and this year it's 255 pretty much running out of seats at this point there's not any bigger theaters than that but uh, but that that actually may mean that we'll do something really crazy next year like turn this into a full-on convention but tickets are already sold out and uh, already when I say sold out yeah they're they're pre-registered for so people don't actually have to pay for them but they're gone yeah that's History. what that's what's really cool about this mini convention that scott puts on is it's totally free for the people who can snag the tickets so you get to go and see a movie for free you get to go have some some uh picnic food for free you get great prizes yep. that uh, scott throws out nice. so if you didn't snag one of these i mean you're kind of out of luck but it is a great event i went to last year's event and had an incredible amount of time. This year, sadly, I won't be able to go oh, because oh, it's uh, the week before finals, and so I'll be doing final grading and holding students' hands and all that fun stuff. But yeah, Scott, I'm, I'm sad that I won't see you this year, but at the same time, I'm also you know, happy. 
I <laughs> have this year, so the glare alone would be. You ate all happened. my food last year. I don't want you back. <laughs> no, we had a great time, and I, and it's a lot of fun, and it's fun, something I just really like and you know enjoy putting on. We're having more out of towners this week than ever, and which is a little bit crazy because. You know, I used to get a little stressed about it because I thought, well, it's just a movie, you know, and hanging out a little bit. It's not like there's, you know, four days of sun and fun and some sort of cruise involved or whatever. It's basically a film and then just sort of nerd time. And so I always kind of had this guilty feeling of these people flying in and driving long distances. And I I still have sort of a hard time getting over that. But I've decided this year I'm not going to worry about it. They're coming because they want to. It's going to be a blast. And I'm just going to have fun, and that's enough for me. So last year, the first year it was Spider-Man 3. Last year was uh, The Dark Knight. This year it yep. is? Star Trek, the reimagining Trek. Uh, some series. people are calling it, what, Star Trek 11 or whatever? I'm calling it Star Trek Reboot. Yeah, I think that's probably a more accurate thing. And, well, I, and you know, it's kind of funny how I... Archie Star Trek. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know who's, who Jughead is in this scenario, but... Uh, Oh, no, I, on, I, I there was a there was a bit of a weird uh, choice going on where um, I had to decide when to do it this year, and I knew that Watchmen was no good because I have way too many kids come, including my own, and that movie ain't for kids, right? Uh, and after seeing it, I'm like, whoa! I'm really glad I picked this for Nerdacular. <laughs> I really liked the movie, but I was, you know, woo. Anyway, uh, that was one thing that was down. Then I thought, well, okay, later in the summer we got Transformers two. We've got. Um, uh, Harry Potter. We just needed a geeky movie, and those were okay, but they didn't scream geek to me. And to be honest, Star Trek was on my radar, but not not the prominent thing until I saw that that new trailer they posted a couple of months ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And I flipped out. I said, "Dude, this. I mean, if I don't do this movie, then I'm stupid." And I knew it was a little early in the year, and it was a little quick, and all of that. But I had no doubt we'd tickets would go like this, and they have, and we've got more sponsors this year than ever, and. All that stuff is good, um, so I'm not feeling too bad about doing it in May. And in truth, Star or, uh, Spider-Man 3 was in May as well, so it's not that different. Well, and but, speaking uh, of people coming from long distances, last year you had people coming from Canada and what is somebody from the East Coast, Texas, Kansas. Yeah, Texas, Kansas. We had uh, the year before that, actually, Spider-Man, we had someone from France, which was crazy. Oh, man. Nice. Uh, this year we had people from Arizona, a bunch from Colorado, a whole bunch from uh, a couple or at least a carload from uh, Ohio, a couple from Iowa, some people from Texas, more ca- more Canadians are coming down, uh, Washington State. So it's it's a little nutty this year, and uh, I hope we can accommodate there their tired traveled bodies but it's it's going to be fun and i'm i'm pumped about it and again i mean huge thanks to major spoilers for being a, a sponsor they don't only make it help make it happen but it's such a perfect connection because what you guys are doing is it just you know my people love it and it's it's the kind of thing they dig on so it's all good well we dig your people <laughs> kick back <laughs> <laughs> hey well you know what we may still somehow participate in that day's events if uh if the theater is so duly equipped i will have we'll to talk with you later Rico about that in- in, in a, a torpedo <laughs> in, a box, in a box with holes drilled in the side. Hey, wait, that somebody sent us a dead puppy. Wait a minute, that's Rodrigo. <laughs> we take it. Hello. We take it. Hey, since Man. our topic is uh, uh, Star Trek, Matthew, why don't we do that fantastic portion of the show that everybody loves? The poll of the week! Week, 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 Scott, do you want the honors? Yeah. Uh, yes, you want me to do that? Yes. Oh, you actually wanted me to do. I wanted you to set up. Oh, 
Yeah, the poll of the week. There you uh, go. <laughs> and now I've lost it. All right, Matthew, what is the poll of the week then this week? This week's poll takes into account the incontrovertible fight that all geeks have been having since 1977. And really, it takes, on the one hand, Star Trek, which my grandmother refers to as Star Trek, uh. and Star Wars, which my grandmother refers to as Star Trek, <laughs> and puts them head to head. The story of uh, two guys with dark-haired sidekicks and questionable hair pieces of their own. Two guys with magical weapons and strange ships and strange worlds. One takes place in a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago. Long, long ago. There you go. The other takes place in the 23rd century, where for some reason it's still 1967. Star Trek versus Star Wars. And I'm going to tell you my vote, and my vote is simple. Ain't nobody can do an entertaining Luke Skywalker impression. I voted Star Trek simply because, but I wanted to go in to see the power converters. Shut up. <laughs> Whereas you can say to anyone, anywhere, they don't even have to speak English. I said this to my Japanese girlfriend in college. I'm like, you don't understand. We are humans, and that means something very impressive. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> it's it's a universal response. So I had to vote with Star Trek simply because Star Trek to me is much more fun to do impressions of. And you've pretty much ensured that we will never have William Shatner on the show. <laughs> oh, but oh, we dear. will, and I'm going to talk to him just like that. That would be – Yeah, I, I want to see that. Love you, Bill. Please don't hate us no more. Hey, uh, yeah. Scott We're Johnson. Have Super Mario or the Pope either. Come on. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, are you a Star Trek or a Star Wars kind of guy? Well, I voted in your poll. You did. I did. Um, and I, I voted. I, I voted maybe in a direction that I may not have voted pre nineteen ninety nine. Oh, really? Yeah, um, because up till then, if your poll would have ran in, yeah, uh, let's like, say, April of of nineteen ninety nine, I would have voted <laughs> for Star Wars. Really? Uh, since then, I've soured quite a bit on the. Uh, on the George Lucas creation, mostly because the prequels are crap. Jar Jar uh, sucks. And I, <laughs> Jar -Jar and I, sucks. I really, I don't know if it's because I was eight when Star Wars came out and it was so awesome that nothing could compare now that I'm older and I'm, and I'm whatever. Cause my eight year old seems to like the new ones just fine. I, I, whatever the reason is, it doesn't appeal to me as much. Star Trek to me though is, sort of eternal it goes on forever you can always sort of dig it up again and revive it like we're seeing happen now and um that was an easy vote for me some of my favorite movies some of my t favorite tv moments some of the geekiest things i'm into it's all about trek so i'm i'm voting trek and i did i did vote trek rodrigo i'm gonna go with star wars um i like star trek just fine um although i you know i haven't i've never really sought it out i've only just if it's on i watch it um, so maybe I haven't seen the most awesomest episodes of Star Trek, but for me, I mean, there's there's just something about um, lightsabers and robots that are all like, and laser laser 
guns, and they're like, and they're like bouncing them with the stars. Like, yeah, it's awesome. And um, hey, Star Trek had those. They just look like garage door openers and TV remotes. <laughs> they did. And and the, the the cool thing about the the the, the facers in Star Trek is the, that continuous beam. And I I appreciate that. I like right, that. Right. That they're not just like one shot guns. I think that, that it gives them a lot of personality. But I think it makes them a little bit less dynamic, especially because you don't have a guy bouncing them off. And just, yeah, yeah, bouncing them off. So I'm going to go with Star Wars. I also went with Star Wars. And I and I was like you, Scott. I had to think for a moment, well, is it awesome just because it's Luke Skywalker? And my son had school off because of this weather situation last week. And I've got yeah. all three of the original movies on TiVo in HD from when they were on Cinemax. And we sat down, and he was surprisingly a two-year-old, sits down and watched most of Empire Strikes Back with me. And wow. I sit there and I looked at him like, okay, from his eyes, I don't know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Little fuzzy green guy looks like the thing I pulled from my nose, probably. <laughs> but then I started thinking about the original, the, the uh, prequels, the first three movies. And if they hadn't, you know, if you think about it in the whole six movie franchise, it's really a story of somebody going from temptation to falling to redemption. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily about Luke Skywalker, although you start to see that same pattern uh, reappear. I still think in the grand scheme of the story that Star Wars works kind of a little bit better for me. It works out. And I think that Lucas... Even, even including this, this, the prequels? Do you include that yeah, in that? Yeah, I do. I actually do include mm-hmm. the prequels because, you know, there's something about the prequels that, as you said, your eight-year-old gets into into it. And really, that's really who Lucas is probably gearing these towards, kids who are going to buy the merchandise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he was smart enough to get the merchandise rights in the first place is so he can make money off the little kids. And so yeah. when we were younger... Yeah, the first three Star Wars movies rocked, and now our kids are going through that same generation as well. Star Trek is still really good, but I had to go with with Star Wars for for my vote. Well, it's an unfair comparison yes, on it, a number it really of levels. Is. It really is, but you because do get those... Star Star Wars was a trilogy. Star right. Wars was designed as an overarching story, whereas Star Trek is episodic. Essentially, to me, this breaks down to what do you like better, knights or cowboys? Right. Because Star Wars is essentially a metaphor of your knights or your samurai, you know, the the men with the swords who actually go out and fight each other hand to hand. Whereas Star Trek is, to some degree, about the guns yeah. and rolling the, in, the line well, not even that. Cowboy well, rolling into town Spock. and cleaning up the brigands. Right. I mean, and, or literally, it's about cowboys, like the time that uh, Spock and Kirk and McCoy all traveled back into the past to fight in the OK Corral with Abraham Lincoln and the uh, the caveman and that other guy. <laughs> right. And the thing, the ma- the faithful spoilerites have been out in force. I'm actually impressed. I'm surprised right too. now. The last time I checked, we're looking at 465 votes. Yep. 465 is pretty high. In two days, yeah. In two days. And right now the spoilerites have spoken and early predictions out of Iowa show uh, Star Wars in the lead, 60% with Star Trek trailing. Some of the comments that we're seeing are you know, comments about things like the fact that Star Wars was – more of an adventure story. We're seeing things, you know, talking about the overarching story arcs and the fact that, you know, you'll see Star Wars in a different light. Star Wars has the expanded universe. Right. Star Wars have different access points for different people, whereas Star Trek, especially old Star Trek, has kind of a camp factor to mm-hmm. it. Oh, and more, most importantly, someone has suggested 
Most annoying, Wesley Crusher versus Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> that may be a future uh, poll of the week. What I like is what Dan Hunter said. He says, Trek was forever ruined when I bumped into Fatty Shatner in Kuala Lumpur. I asked politely, I might add, for a photo, and he turned me down in true Shat style with, Why would I do that? I should have retorted really? because I'm helping you with your pension by reading your self pin Kirk fan fiction instead of uh, slinking away crushed. That was five years ago, and I haven't returned to the original Star Trek uh, universe since. Objection, uh, Your Honor. Yes. That is what's referred to as an ad hominem <laughs> argument. You cannot make a, a – a, and again, Dan, your poll and your vote are absolutely valid in and of themselves. In no way am I questioning you or your decisions. But you can't make a decision about – the fiction based on the bastardry right. of the creators or the actors. Right. I love Cerebus, but man, Dave Sim occasionally just makes my skin crawl. Yeah. You know, please don't sue us. Well, but, uh, your opinion. I heard T.S. The problem was, uh, is, here, here's the warning out to all your listeners. <laughs> okay. If you see Shatner yes. and you want his signature, do not refer to him as TJ or Hooker, <laughs> both. That's your mistake. <laughs> Just throwing a little advice out you there. You probably shouldn't call him the Shat. Hey, Shat. Hey, I would. Shat. I would be like, "Pardon me, Mister Shatner. My name is Steven Schleicher, <laughs> and I would like to know if, as a fan of your work, as an actor, I might get your signature. And once he's signed something, I'll say, "Hey, thanks a frickin' lot, there, Kirk. <laughs> That's a nice rug." And then I'd run away. No, I would not do that because a, it's mean, and b, you know, that may be his real hair. So, everybody, you still have time to head over to the Major Spoilers website and vote in that poll. It is up all week. So and let's let's. If, if I may, with one final remark. Sure. <laughs> you knew it had to come from somewhere. Uh, so let's Last talk. week it was like three minutes into the show. Nobody cared. So let's talk no. Star Trek. And Star Trek, one of the nice things that I do like Star Trek is there are so many different series. You've got the original series, the next right. generation. You've got the animated series. You've got Deep Space Nine. You've got Voyager. You've got Enterprise. You've got the movies. You've got the original series movies, the next generation movies. You've got a new multiplayer online game coming online here shortly. What what do you, do you guys have a favorite Star Trek series, Scott? Yeah, I do. Um, if I had to pick my favorite, it would probably be. Oh, I'm going to get hate mail for this. Uh, um, that's okay. Go for it. I, I, I it's kind of a tie for me. I'm I'm a big fan of the original series, just mostly for the camp factor, to be honest. Right. Um, I really love Next Generation. I, I really like them all, but my favorite is probably Deep Space Nine huh. on you the know, whole. I don't think you're going to get too much hate mail for that because one of the things that I know, like Scroll Brian, ah! <laughs> Scroll <laughs> Brian really likes Deep Space Nine because of the fact that they really tried to keep continuity in check in that series. And they mm -hmm. really tried to bring on events that were happening throughout the rest of the Star Trek universe into uh, Farpoint Station or whatever that was. Yeah, I hated it at first. Don't get me wrong. I, I had some real issues with it because I thought, oh, no, they're not on a ship. This isn't Star Trek. You don't sit still in Star Trek right. and wait for some wormhole to poop out the villain of the week every you know every half hour. Right. That's right. I, you that, get that pooped onto the villain interested. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Can we write more... that down? I think that needs to go in the major spoilers dictionary. <laughs> oh, there's a dictionary. A wiki, if you will. Uh, no um, more of a dictionary. <laughs> but I, I, I just I loved the darker take. I, I liked the conflict. It was a little bit less of a shiny, perfect world. 
and, and there were more flawed characters and that sort of thing. Um, I'm a big fan of Ronald Moore, and I liked his work on that series, as well as his work in later episodes of Next Generation and even parts of Voyager. And I, I think his style kind of stuck out there. Um, uh, you know, it kind of it was a premonition of what we might expect from Battlestar. I don't know where you guys land on that, uh, but I'm I'm a huge fan. So that so that. Those stories tend to, to to get to me a little bit more, and I liked it quite a bit. And I was also uh, impressed that every epi- or every Star Trek uh, series after Next Gen made it a point to hire somebody from the Benson cast. I don't know if you noticed. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. had Rene Auberginois as the shapeshifter, yep. which is just a ridiculous casting, but awesome it turned out to oh, be. Oh yeah. Uh, what a weird. I, I mean, who thought of that? But and then uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Neelix was uh, oh, yeah. some other guy. That's on, right. On, he was the uh, the press writer or the press secretary from from Benson. Yeah, which is crazy. So I kept expecting to see you know other Benson characters show up in in uh, Enterprise and so on, but I think they've well, broken. Wasn't that uh, wasn't um, Benson? Wasn't he the father of? No, I guess I'm thinking of someone else. I thought he played the yeah. father of Cisco, but that was that was somebody else. No, you're that thinking that of that. someone else. Ethan Phillips played Neelix. Uh, Cisco's. Father, Cisco, well, uh, yeah, was like the name. Cosby grandpa, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, something, something like, no, something like that. Um, he he was a. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Frassum. That's I'm going right. to lose my Matthew. Mind, did though. you have a favorite series? I did actually, and I Brock Peters played Joseph Cisco. <laughs> never mind. No. Um, you've never heard of him. <laughs> I'm going to get hate mail, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to get hate mail because my introduction to Star Trek. And this is strange to me. Was the animated series? No. The animated series was awesome. Lieutenant Eric's effing rules. Eric's forever. He's my BBF. Um, No. uh, My introduction to Star Trek was odd because I always tell the story of I was never a comic book fan until I was 11 or 12 and my Uncle Bob told me I was too old for comics. But when I was six or seven, somebody got me. uh, I don't know if it was bound or a trade paperback or what. Yeah, it was a trade paperback. Never found it, never been able to find it. A collection of gold key Star Trek. Bingo. That's what got me into Star Trek because I didn't know who these characters were. They weren't drawn on model. I had no idea what the voices were supposed to sound like. But the series was interesting and there was enough of the, the glow, I guess for lack of a better word, that, you know, eventually I saw this on Sunday mornings on Channel 41 and I went, yep. hey, that's that book that I have. Yep, yep, yep. And I sat down and watched it. So for me, my favorite will always be those weird old gold key comics. Rodrigo? Did, did you guys like the animated series, by the way? I've only I seen bits fan. and pieces of it. I remember, oh man, I think they ran it in the afternoon after school and I either yeah, yeah. caught it if I got off the bus first or I missed it if I got off the bus last, but it only ran for a short amount of time on uh, yeah. Channel 41 in Kansas City, and I can only briefly remember two episodes, and that was it. And I only wow. remember bits and pieces of that. So It's one of my proto-memories. Um, yes. My cousin Elwood and I used to watch Saturday morning cartoons, and one of the ones that I remember clearly from when I was a kid having a weird effect on me and going, what in the hell? <laughs> was, was the time the- they had the cartoon green alien dancing around? No, it was BIM, the episode where we found out that there was an alien who was actually three aliens passing themselves off as one alien. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was one that was a head, one that was a torso, and one that was legs. And basically, you know, they were two midgets in an Iron Man suit. But <laughs> it, was, it was one of those episodes where I watched it, and my seven, eight-year-old brain was like, I don't know what this is, but it's awesome. 
what, and creepy like and awesome. What I liked about the animated series is it is in continuity with the rest of the Star Trek universe, hmm. and especially the original series universe. Mm-hmm. But while Enterprise kind of had the first introduction of the supposedly in continuity of aliens participating with, um, I mean, true aliens, not uh, Vulcans, but true aliens interacting with the crew, the animated series had one of the bridge commanders or one of the bridge uh, controllers was an mm-hmm. alien, and that was a big part of the story. He was a big part of the crew, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of Eric's. Yeah, yeah, and so that's what's what's kind of cool about that. I guess if I'm if anybody's going to get hate mail about their favorite series, I'm going to have to go with Enterprise. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but what is wrong with you? No, but you know there's something. I'm, I'm about with you. Up to, I'm with you up till the end of season three. And season I, four exactly. was a complete. Yeah, yeah, and I I just enjoyed that story. Uh, that series because it was this first discovery, this going out and experiencing things for the first time. How did they meet? Uh, well, obviously, we know how they met the Vulcans, but how did that interaction, how do we see the birth of the Federation take place? And we see a lot of that forming in Enterprise, and that's why I like that uh, a whole lot uh, over the rest of them, although uh, uh, Jolene Blaylock is uh, an a- added bonus, especially in that first episode <laughs> where she and Commander, what's his name, uh, have to get naked and scrub each other down in the uh, decontamination chamber. She's in. Uh, she's on twenty four this year. That's a series I haven't watched, so can't say oh, can't say anything about go. that. Uh, although, uh, what's her name? Uh, 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 Seven of Nine from uh, Voyager was also uh, pretty interesting as well. You can see uh, where Jerry, my Jerry, Jerry yeah, Ryan. Yep, Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, my my favorite Star Trek series was um, Babylon Five. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> talk about hate mail. Um, no, I actually like the next generation. Out of out of all the stuff I've seen, um, that just I always sat down and I watched it, and it looked like a bunch of awesome guys doing awesome stuff in space. Um, and the, the the stuff where um where they get into like the hollow room, right, right, and and Picard's a detective. I always found incredibly weird, but you know, really really cool in a, in a lot of ways. Um. Also because I love the TV show Gargoyles, and if I close my eyes, all the characters are there. <laughs> <laughs> Including uh, <laughs> certain voice actors? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something wrong with you, Rodrigo. <laughs> and that's coming from me. That's all I want to know. So my then, only crime was being born after 1982. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we well, kind of talk, It seems like each of us has our own favorite series, so do we have a favorite episode from those series? And we'll go back again to oh, Scott yeah. with uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, see, that's a because my favorite Star Trek episode of all time yeah, is not in Deep Space Go ahead, Nine. go ahead and tell us that one. Uh, if I had to pick a Deep Space Nine one, I really, really like the baseball one toward the end of the ninth. Oh season. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is ironic that it was the end of the ninth. I think they did that on purpose, but anyway, uh, uh, he they I really do think they did that. But they had one where they all played on this team. Mm-hmm. It was one of those kind of ser- silly sort of, you know. I, I call them mud episodes because in the old Star Trek, I always had that mud guy on, and he was, it was right. just ridiculous. Right, right. Um, it's kind of like that, but I but I really like that one on Deep Space Nine. There was a lot of other good stuff too, but that was pretty good. Um, but my favorite Trek episode of all time is probably uh, is it Out of Time? No, no, no. Uh, it's one where Picard falls down on the bridge for oh, yeah, twenty yeah. minutes, and well, it's the not even, and, but yeah, yes, and he lives a whole and life in that twenty. Yeah, he lives that entire lifetime, learns to play the flute, yep. that whole thing. I love that episode. That That's probably just a, uh, just a hair better than my second favorite episode, which is the la- the final 
of all of Next Generation, which was all good things. And I, I really, really like that two-hour finale. But but I've got I, I think it's the Picard getting knocked out for 20 minutes and living a lifetime. That was awesome stuff. Well, what's cool That's about that is they, against I love continuity in these kinds of series because then episodes later, you see him up in the corridors playing the flute that he learned to play while he lived this virtual life. And I just thought that was such a cool mm. thing as well. Uh, uh, great nod to nerds. Everywhere. That was going to be one of my favorites. But I'm torn between oh, no, no, no. There's no nothing wrong with having <laughs> multiple favorites. The other two favorites of mine beyond beyond that Picard one were, is City on the Edge of Forever, which is the one where they travel back in time and it's mm-hmm. got Elizabeth Taylor and all that stuff in it, or it's a mock time. Taylor. It's Joan Collins. Oh, Joan Collins. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> or a mock time, the one where Kirk and Spock have to fight. To the death. Just because <laughs> I've, I've killed my friend and thus it has broken him of whatever the name of that spell was that he was under to mate. Ponfar, yeah. So those are my two. Uh, How can you call yourself a geek? I don't call myself a I'm trekker or a trekkie. Right now, so. You didn't and, know the and, name and, of the Ponfar. And, and, and a mock time, a, a historic event in that it basically kicked off... Uh, you know, slash fiction as we know it. Right. And also, it kicked off this uh, <laughs> mid-90s rock group called Tapau, which was <laughs> named after uh, the uh, the head of the uh, of the, the Vulcans at that time. So Nice. There you oh, go. Oh, man, of... I did not know that. I, that was I new am to going, me. I'm going to have to kill Steven. What? <laughs> what, because I know what Tapau was the reference from Star Trek? What is no, your... the fact that you remember the band. <laughs> I remember working with you at KFHS in 1989, and you telling me that story. And 20 years later, it's still not I interesting. I know, but it, I think it is. So then, what is interesting, Matthew? What's your favorite episode? Well, if you made me choose my favorite episode of my favorite series, okay, it would be the Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, I think it's the end of season three. And it has the best callback in all of Star Trek history, where in the first episode, O'Brien makes a point of faking duranium shadows so that it looks like the ship is fully armed with 500 photon torpedoes and a full array of combat weaponry. Mm -hmm. At the end of season three, it's the episode where Worf shows up, the Klingons come in, and the the Klingon captain says, duranium shadows, and Sisko turns to the camera and does that great hawk face and goes, it's no illusion. Bam! Weapons just open up out of every section of the station, and they open fire and start just blowing Klingons out of the sky. It's a beautiful moment. I love that episode. Rodrigo. Um, I think my favorite episode, and I don't remember what the actual plot line of the episode was, but I remember Data basically going around asking every, like, Trying to figure out jokes. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So that know. wasn't the one where he got it on with. Uh, uh, no. Yar was it the one with Joe Piscopo? I don't. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that, I forgot I about that. Oh I my did god, too. Matthew, stop! Now I have to go scrub <laughs> my brain out later. Okay, I'm going to make, I'm gonna have to make an admission here. I am a huge Trekkie in that I represent. The ability to remember crap like that. <laughs> it's not something that I, you know, call myself a Trekkie or a Trekker or a Trekkinos, but I love that episode. And if you actually slow it down, you can hear the joke that Joe Piscopo tells, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Look, uh, you should have us say our worst episodes, too. What is that the worst episode? 
Oh, by far, it's the the Wesley Crusher and Ashley Judd episode where they're playing that cones and oh, frisbees yeah, yeah. game on the glasses. I freaking you, hate you that. You know what's really cool about that episode is that the that's the first episode. I think this predates um, um, Babylon Five, mm-hmm. and it's the first episode that actually used Newtek's three D Lightwave three D in a broadcast television series, and that was all the the game pieces were all generated with that piece of software. So. Nice. These are bigger nerds than I'll ever be. No, I'm a no big 3D though. nerd, and because I use that application, that's how I know. So plus, oh, that's and awesome. plus, created by New Tech out of Topeka, Kansas, who after Wesley Crusher left the uh, the series, went to work in Topeka for New Tech. Wow! So oh. there you go. There's some there's some nerddom for you. Nerd. I heard that story 20 years ago yeah, too. Yeah, bite me. <laughs> uh, is there a worst episode? I oh, mean, there's so many episodes yes. that just don't fire for me. I think certainly, you know, the episode with Lincoln uh, doesn't make a lot of sense no, when they're pulling characters you do from not time. Bad mouth space yeah. Lincoln. That's a great the, episode. The whole, that I remember it, it, that. It what made, was that out of? Or maybe that's one where they find like, frozen uh, people. Yeah, Bill and Ted. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a Bill and Ted thing. But I don't know. I Bill I can't think. Of, there are certainly them? there are certainly a lot of episodes that are just average, I think. That's that's the biggest thing that you can say about Star Trek is there's a lot of episodes that are just average. I can't think of any Do you remember that really Angel suck. 1? Uh, Jonathan Frakes, topless, with his big hairy chest sticking out on the planet where the women are in charge, and he's basically <laughs> eye candy. Yeah. I can, I can get you some bad episodes. Uh, do you remember Shades of Grey, which is basically just a flashback show because they ran out of money at the end of like season two? This is, you know, next generation specifically. If you go back to the original series, yes, you know, I don't, I don't want to badmouth, you know, anything because there, there's, this is classic, and it was the '60s, and you know, things were different because it was the '60s. Gamesters of Triskelion is a terrible episode, terrible episode where the giant brains are making them fight. Oh, okay. And Kirk is running around shirtless for the whole episode. Come on, there's I some, love that one. You know, I don't no, know I if I've one. seen oh. every Star I don't know if I've seen every Star Trek episode. I certainly know that I missed out on a huge portion of Deep Space 9 because it was a syndicated show here at least and it wasn't always playing at the same time every week. And when I moved to Atlanta, they started jumping around the the uh series because mm. they were filling it with other programming. Okay, now we we've got it here. Let's move the show to Sunday mornings. Oh, now we've got something to fill that. Let's move it to Saturday nights. Oh, now and so I missed out mm-hmm. on a huge portion of Deep Space Nine. And when I moved back uh, to Kansas, our crap ass cable network didn't have the WB, so I missed out on everything but the last season of Enterprise, and I had to go through other means to to view that. And so I'm not even sure I've even seen everything of the original series. Well, the worst, the worst act, the worst character in all of Trekdom is Denise Crosby. I just wanted to throw that in. As, as, as Natasha Yar. Wait, is that the character or the actress? Both. Can't stand Both. her. Can't as, even look at her. As, as Natasha Yar or as the evil Romulan? Uh, oh, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, as an that, evil Romulan, she wasn't half bad. She was all right. What, what, yeah, what's the a... appeal of Star Trek? Why are so many people still 40-plus years later are we into Star Trek, and why does it in, impact our lives so much? Anyone? They... And again, this is based on me as a person who grew up in the 70s and 80s, looking back from the 21st century. 
they may not have always done it in the wisest manner possible. Um, witness uh, Frank Gorshin in the half black, half white right, makeup. Right. But they tried to deal with real issues. It wasn't about, you know, pointy eared people on planet Omicron 12. It was about humanity. It was about the 60s. It was about the things that actually happened. I mean, if you, uh, my friend Bruce, who I reference, I think, every episode now. Hi, Bruce. Uh, used to go over this thing in his head, and I think a lot of people have referenced this, where the Federation, of course, represents America during the Cold War, and the Klingons were the Russians, right. and the Romulans were the Chinese, and he got to the point where during Deep Space Nine, he was trying to explain to me how the Cardassians were basically Arabs in the Gaza Strip, and how the Bajorans represented Israel as a, its own sovereign nation in the middle of all of this strife. And I'm looking at that and going, you can see that. You can make that that leap without having to go, you know, Bruce, I think you need to lay off the pancakes, <laughs> although we, we did say that. It, they, they touched on, even when it was done awkwardly, badly, in some cases abominably badly, they touched on things that meant something. And they were touching on themes that are not just topical, but in some cases archetypical. And they, they break it down, even when it's just something silly like um, – what was the – there was an original series episode. I think it's the Cloudminders where you have the, the race in the sky who's like super rich and they don't do anything. And then there's the people down on the ground who do all the work and finally they, they overthrow – the, the cloud minders, the people in the sky, and they're forced to pick up shovels and actually work for a living. I think you're thinking of and, the yeah. Jack Kirby's New Gods. No. The bug people. I'm thinking the of the cloud miners. <laughs> I think it's episode 74. Okay. And yes, I have just outed myself as the biggest geek in the room. Wow. Well, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so, but this, even, even the silly stuff where they uh, go back to Prohibition era or when they go back to the Roman times and they're talking about worshiping the sun and then at the end of the episode you find out it's all about religion or the episode where they go to the planet that's populated with young kids and they keep shouting. I forget what the phrase that they're shouting. But bonk, it's, bonk. Yeah, it's all bonk, from, bonk. you know, they're, they've built their society around this semi-belief of what America stands for, and Kirk has to explain it at the end about what the preamble and the Constitution and all these things You mean. have now officially taken three separate episodes no, what and I'm, amalgamated them into one giant Wouldn't that be bibbity. awesome? Just have them oh, travel yeah. all three of those in one episode? Star no. Trek mashups where you have the <laughs> act one of one episode, act two of a second, <laughs> and, they, and the data model from a third You'd probably I, sit through them. You'd probably the sit through all three of them and never know that you were actually watching three separate episodes. <laughs> How dare uh, you, sir? But... The cool thing is they are bringing things that were current for that time and applying it to the then and now. Deep Space – was it Deep Space Nine where um, Dax was a guy and then got planted into the female and then uh, Dr. Crusher – Yeah, she's a symbiote. Yeah, Dr. Crusher had a thing for the previous Dax and then there was this whole thing about – uh, homosexuality or, or those You're those thinking kind of, things. of the introduction of the trill from the next generation. Yeah. Um, it was Odan. Okay. Was the, that was the first time we ever saw the trill. And at the end of the episode, his body was killed and then he was implanted in a woman and Dr. Crusher couldn't deal. But that, that wasn't Dax? Yeah. That wasn't Dax. Oh, okay. That was the first time we met the trill. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so, I mean, those are real issues. And even in the, um, in that online Star Trek series that's going on, you know, they had this whole uh, episode recently where they're talking about homosexuality with 
two of the crew members on the ship. Mm-hmm. And so I think dealing with dealing with those issues is kind of a big appeal to Star Trek. Yeah, it, yeah. I heard I once heard somebody say it's it's as if somebody was that that show was attempting to hold a mirror up to us. It was in the '60s. It was a time where you know interracial sort of relationships or even working relationships were almost non-existent and so having you her on the on the ship and having sort of an equal place among other women on the ship was a big deal having her kiss kirk was this huge social thing oh yeah but somehow in in the guise of of science fiction and specifically star trek fiction a lot of these hard issues that you don't people are uncomfortable talking about or looking at or exploring in a more sort of uh you know, a realistic way, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way, but or the right word, but they, they look at it through this filter and it's easier to then tell a story, explore the, the, the thing that's being talked about, look at the greater human humanity of it. And also have, you know, phaser fights and guys with bumpy heads. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, aliens, I think it's a great way to do that. Hippie songs. And yeah, exactly. Green aliens that Kirk also bangs. Um, Oh Yeah. Would you want to live in the Star Trek universe? I mean, it's kind of a weird society. It's it's very on one hand, it's a very militaristic society where mm-hmm. everything is federation bound and you're following these rules and you never really get to see too much the social, you know, the the lives of people who aren't part of the federation, who aren't part of this military organization. Would you want to live in that uh, Star Trek society? I'd rather live there than in the Star Wars society. Okay, true. All right, fair enough. Scott I'm going to say, yeah, because they got replicators and I can eat anything I want anytime I want. Oh, and don't te- teleportation is cool. And it also, it, Star Trek, at least up to Next Generation, it got a little muddy after that. It represented the best of us. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we can achieve and we're at peace with everything we can reach. Now we just need to reach more things and then try to get, you know, be at peace with them. And money's not an issue and we can make our own stuff. And it's all about exploration and education and science. That that's very appealing to me, and I think that's actually one of the things that's appealing about Trek, especially you know, especially early Trek and Next Generation Trek, and you know, maybe even Voyager. But uh, you know, D Space Nine reminded us that it's not that easy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think that's good too. It's why it's my favorite series, I think. But but I do like that optimistic future. I, I like that we're not all just dust in the wind from the giant nuke that killed us. Right, Rodrigo. Right. Oh, I totally would. I mean. I'd like to, you know, hang out with a guy that has really cool glasses like uh, Jordi LaForge. Oh, and, uh, yeah, we're and all it's like if, if my friend, if my best friend was like Jordi LaForge and his robot and my doctor was a hologram, I'd be set. <laughs> my doctor is a hologram, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Wrong. Gambit card that I got from the X-Men uh, series in 1979. I, I, you know, the, Apparently, I'm healthy. The thing that fascinates me most is were all the episodes, and this would be the next generation onward, that took place in San Francisco where we got to visit the the earth and we got to see how people lived and interact outside of the society. And it always amazed me how people dealt with money because you had what, like, uh, gold-plated latinum or whatever was the the monetary exchange. Gold-pressed latinum. Gold-pressed latinum. But you never really saw people outside of Deep Space Nine really talking about that as an exchange rate. It was almost like even credits. They really didn't talk about credits that much. It was Mm -hmm. all kind of everything is this free thing because of replicators – there's no more disease. There's no more hunger. We've got machines that can control the weather unless you're Q who goes in and kills the parents of uh, uh, Olivia Diabo and, and turns her into uh, one of his people. But, I mean, it's this weird society. <laughs> was it Beverly or Olivia? I couldn't remember which. I think it was Miriam. Uh, 
but whichever Diablo it was, <laughs> she is also very hot. Uh, uh, but, you know, you live in this society where it almost seems like it's a utopia, but it really isn't. There's, it's yeah. got this nice sheen to it, but I, I bet if you dig it just a little bit underneath, you find there's probably a seedy side to the Star Trek universe. But, again, if I were frozen for, you know, 5,000 years, I wouldn't mind waking up in that universe. Yeah. 5,000 years? Well, there's apparently knows? a porn- pornographic film called Star Trek The Next Penetration. Nice. Now, I've Scott, not, now, none of I've us would have brought that up, and I'm wondering why you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denise Crosby had to work somewhere. Hey. Yeah, I was going to say it. The, that black goo got her. She was done. She was spat out the bottom of the porn industry. The, uh, the torrents are Twitter now with uh, with people looking for that. Uh, well, we, we really haven't talked about the movies. Which did you prefer better, the, the Star Trek movies or the Star Trek television show? I mean, obviously, the appeal for the television series is you get this weekly weekly story that comes out, and you're continuing on in the chapters where the movies are more finite, because there were certainly some Star Trek episodes that were two-parters, three-parters. That mm-hmm. actually could have been a good movie. And in fact, you know, compared to some of the latter next generation movies, they could have been a very good TV show. Star Trek what? two. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt Scott again. No, no, no. You're 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 mirroring my thoughts. That's my Star Trek movie. two and Star Trek four for me stand as you're among some of the best thoughts. stories told in any Star Trek settings ever. Mm-hmm. Two especially. I have a friend who tells me that two is terrible because Ricardo Montalban's chest is showing and she thinks it's fake. And I'm like, that's not the point. Watch Star Trek two. Just sit down and watch it. It's one of, you know, I I think it's one of the finest sci-fi movies, maybe one of the better movies made during that entire time period, simply because because of what it, you know, it's a, it's another situation where they weren't telling a Star Trek story or a sci-fi air quote story. They were just telling a good story with characters acting naturally. And you have that another – and I'm a big one for those hell yeah moments or those holy crap moments where Kirk – that may actually be in three now that I mention it, where Kirk stumbles back when he hears that his son is dead is in Star right, Trek three. Right. But when Kirk finds out that he has a son, uh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, no, and we go through that whole, you know, that whole issue and maybe Chekhov could die. We know Chekhov. He's just not some schmuck in a red shirt. You know, there's there's a lot of things in both of those movies that are just amazing. And then there's Star Trek, the motionless picture. You know what? <laughs> that is uh, going back to Star Trek Two. The only problem with that is you had to have known that episode where Ricardo Montalban played, you know him, him, you know the the character in Khan. But we li- we learn about this time period in Earth's evolution where they tried to build superhumans and they tried to revolt and then they shot them all off into space. Mm-hmm. That's probably the uh. only drawback to that entire movie because when they are on the planet and all of a sudden. Khan takes off his helmet and you're like, oh my God, that's Khan. You have to kind of, to get that oh crap moment, you kind of have to know about that original episode. I really don't think you do because well, I have not seen I, that episode when the movie came out. I certainly have a greater appreciation of that movie afterwards. Scott, well, certainly. Yeah, I, depth, I'll give you that. Yeah, Scott, that's did true. You, did that's you, like, it's, like seeing, it's like seeing Serenity before seeing Firefly, which is how I saw Firefly. Okay. Right. And and I love that movie. It stood on its own. The characters jumped out. I loved it. I felt like I had the backstory. But it was all the sweeter uh, once I went back, watched all of Firefly, and then went, oh, you know what? I'm going to see that movie again. And now I've seen that movie like twelve times. I love that movie. And and you're you're right. I think that's that. I think the process, if it's done right, 
And Serenity is a great example of that. Wrath of Khan is a great example of that. I had no idea as a kid that that was an old Star Trek episode with with Khan in it. Imagine my glee when I actually did see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just about, I just about pooped my pants. I was so excited, <laughs> and I couldn't wait to see yeah. Wrath of Khan again. And this is in the VHS days, so you know, yeah. you had to wait for it or pirate it or whatever. But oh, you know, yeah, we don't it, steal things. No. We acquire them through legal channels. Rodrigo, do you, you want to weigh in? Um, I've only really seen two Star Trek movies, Wrath of Khan and Generations. And Wrath of Khan was fun, um, but I only wa- I watched it in a room full of drunk people. Like p- Somebody put it on in the middle it. of a party. <laughs> um, so I was trying to watch it, and everybody else was drunk. And then there was just this guy sitting next to me who kept shouting, Khan! <laughs> Wait a minute, wasn't that the party that... I was at Matthew Weller. I was incredibly drunk, or am I thinking of a different movie? <laughs> the, I don't I remember the party where you were incredibly drunk because uh, Tom Boaz and I were also smashed. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? I, I know I'm probably going to get more hate mail and lose more Star Trek geek cred, but uh, Voyage Home. Going back into the past and dealing with the wacky computer, computer. Oh, you have Mr. to use the mouse. Computer. You got to pick it up. Oh, computer, computer. No, it's, you know, that's just crazy. The time traveling stuff where they're actually trying to keep the future from happening and Mm -hmm. trying to deal with the idiosyncrasies of dealing with the crazy past contraptions. I just love that. Plus giant whales. I (laughs) hated that episode. That movie was my least favorite of all. And even more, I even hate it worse than like, uh, maybe not as bad as the Shatner directed, uh, Star Trek five. Why does God need a spaceship? Uh, you know, scroll Brian, his favorite, his favorite movie, the first movie, because, Years later, Roddenberry was asked about V'ger and where V'ger had gone, and they had said, did he go to the Borg planet? And Roddenberry said, yeah, you know, that could have been possible. That planet populated by robots and machines could very well have been the Borg, and that could have been the first interaction that humans had with the Borg species. So that's why he claims that as his... uh, That's kind of a fatuous reason to love a movie that awful. Well, (laughs) well, that's Scroll Brian for you. About Star Trek, the slow motion picture. It makes the mistake of making it about the technology, about the yeah. the funny, spacey thing. And it takes long, loving pans of the Enterprise. And the Enterprise, while a character, yeah, is not an, the character. It doesn't need an hour's worth of footage shot. Well, and it also, it, it, it takes a problem that I see in later episodes, although they never they never really fell into this trap so much in Deep Space Nine. But I feel like they did a lot of it in Voyager and a lot more in Enterprise is there was a, every almost every episode, even a mock time, mm-hmm. had a sense of humor, had little funny bits and interactions where McCoy would get Spock's goat or where they'd say something funny and Kirk would do that cheesy. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> there was there was a sense of humor. There was a sense of fun. Yes, it was and just it, like that. It, was, it wasn't all serious, whereas the motion picture – and I've run out of funny things to call it, doesn't have it, – it, it's as though the characters aren't really checked in. It's it's more of a it, – it feels more like an answer to, hey, Star Wars sure made a lot of money. Right. And it takes it all very – and makes it very pompous very and very, very filled with the, the, the circumstance. We are the Federation and we're going to come out and Kirk is going to sleep with your women. But – to me, part of the fun of Star Trek, especially the first you know couple of seasons, is that the characters are in on the jokes, and the funny parts are funny to the characters. 
Yeah, and they lost they lost their way a little bit with the the kind of space cowboy attitude of Kirk and crew, and tried to do a little bit of Space Odyssey two thousand one sort of vibe, mm-hmm. uh, and that ruined it for me. I you know Spock couldn't have floated any slower toward the stinking <laughs> right, thing. Right, right, right. But that was the whole point. The point of that shot was the effect. It wasn't about Spock. It wasn't about anything. It was, we've made this awesome floating space suit, and now we're doing this giant anus in space that's speaking to Spock. <laughs> Spock speak, if you will. And it, the, the point of that was the digital, well, not digital, I guess, the visual effects. Yeah. Whereas, kind of, and, you know, it, one of the things that, ah, Matthew the original three uh, seasons shares with another favorite of mine, Doctor Who, is that it was kind of made, you know, with rubber suits and cardboard sets, and they were forced to put a little more into it. A little more. You, as a viewer, are forced to go a little more suspension of disbelief when, right. you know, say, say Kirk walks up to the door, and we're supposed to believe that the door magically knows that he's there to open now, but then he turns around and stops and makes a dramatic pause, and the door doesn't open this time. Because they read the script. Right. But the, the, the thing about it was that the original series, you can call it campy. You can call it silly. You can look at it and say it may not hold up in retrospect mm-hmm. 40 years later. But you have to look at it and go, they did this with such energy and there was such a, a sense of belonging. The reason that there are Trekkies, Trekkers, whoever they are today, is because there was that that ability to where you played into it, you bought into it, and you kind of went, well, maybe that effect didn't quite work, but I know where they were going. There's there's a lot of room for the person to imprint their own thought processes and their own beliefs on what you're seeing there, Yep. which is why there's so much slash fiction. Yep. Uh, speaking of outside the TV series, outside the movies, there's a lot of comic books about uh, Star Trek. Obviously, the gold key years that you mentioned, Matthew, I was the same way. I got my hands on a trade paperback collection and, and really ate through that until the book literally fell apart. Um, Marvel has done uh, Star Trek comic books. <laughs> Star Trek meets the X-Men has got to be one of the weirdest crossovers I've ever seen. Uh, and then, <laughs> and you know, you know that one had to start because some some guy at Marvel was sitting down and was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if Doctor McCoy and Doctor McCoy hung out together?" <laughs> then you know what? I blame Joe Quesada, even though he wasn't even working for the company at that point. <laughs> then don't forget the the recent stuff that IDW is doing. Of course, the Star Trek had a, a five year mission which got cut short because of ratings. And so IDW has come back with a couple of series, uh, one called Mission's End, another one called um, Year Four, and they actually mm-hmm. were trying to run that as a, uh, you know, the number of episodes that would have run in Year Four, they're trying to do in that. That one's pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. They've even got, and for those of you that are interested in uh, the upcoming movie, they've actually got a countdown movie prequel that is, I think it's a four-issue miniseries. Uh, that hmm. uh, that leads right into the new movie. It's Kirk as a fetus, or I don't know what how, how you know. It, it says, uh, <laughs> let's see, da, 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 let's see. We get to find the origin of Nero. We get to find the, uh, the Nero, the mysterious Romulan, who will ultimately threaten the survival of the entire universe. Don't miss this story leading up to the movie. Da, 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 da. Hey, is he? A, I didn't know he was a Romulan. That's that's news to me. 
had no idea. Well, there you go. The the, the Eric Bana characters I were I, talking I, about the back. I guess I don't know. I haven't been following this movie well enough apparently. But yeah, Nero. Or why? Those Nero are the, the guys with the weird necks, right? <laughs> yeah. He Nero turns off the Romulan. Hey. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to in this movie reboot? Oh man, Scott Siler. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, Zachary Quinto looks awesome as Spock. In fact, it's eerily nah. crazy that he looks that good. Nah. I think it's yeah. a great way to 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 tear him away from the typecasting of Siler for a while. Yeah, um, and that's I mean that's the one that they had to get key because Kirk is a lot of attitude and Scotty is basically an accent in a red shirt. And if you can get somebody <laughs> who can play curmudgeon, you've got McCoy in the bag because you know DeForest Kelly was. A, a wonderful actor and put so much into that role, but centrally to the whole thing is Spock's got to look like Spock. Yeah, and he does. So, yeah, so much of Spock is is tied up in just the eyebrow and the hair and the ears and the visual, you know, of looking at him and going, "That's that's definitely Spock." I can deal with this curly haired, weird looking Kirk because Spock is dead solid perfect. Yeah, yeah, he looks good. And I also think it's very hard to tell from trailers, of course, but it looks like we're going to get a lot of Kirk-style swagger out of that guy playing Kirk, and I'm, and I'm glad about that. Um, he, he's, he's got his stance. Like, there's a point where oh, sure. he's coming up over a ridge in the snow, and, and the way he stands and sort of stops and moves his arms about, total Kirk moves. And um, I, I try not to read too much into it. I'm a little concerned about Harold being uh, Sulu from Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't, I don't know that he has the sort of uh, stoic. Yeah, the stoic gravity. Oh my. Gravity. Gravitas, <laughs> Gravitas is the word I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that George Takai has or had. Uh, so I don't know about that. Did and George I can't Takai tell. Pass away? No, he's no, he's, he's still, still around. Yeah. He's okay. just. Light and wispy now, and doesn't it kind of blows away with the wind. Light and right. wispy. Uh, well, and he, yeah. I mean, George Takai has that voice. Oh my! Yeah. That I mean, That's, that voice. So much of of Sulu is uh, completely encapsulated in, into George Takai's. I'm now going to push this button. He's dead. You know? Yeah, he's dead. And gym. I don't know that. I don't know that Harold has that. Is all yeah. I'm saying. So Roderick, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to them blowing up another Enterprise ship. Oh yeah! Hell yeah! After they spent all this time putting it together in the previews. <laughs> Roderick, you have anything that you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to pretty much all the all the special effects. I'm not terribly invested in Star Trek. A lot of my friends are like, God, this is so not gonna be Trek. And like, you know, I'm I'm just not there. I you know, Star Trek is little else to me except some, you know, cool afternoons that I spend like flipping through channels is like, oh phaser's awesome. Yeah. Um so watching this movie, I think I'm gonna have a real good time. There's gonna be a lot of special effects. Um I know I've seen Uhura in bed, so in the previews. So There's a plus I'm, there. I'm 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 online for that. And um I'm just looking forward to see how the um sort of actually how it's directed and how they bring these new actors to play those old characters. Well, and that's a good point for you, Rodrigo, <laughs> is that being a reboot, it's a great chance for Paramount to get a whole new mm -hmm. generation, not being a pun, a whole new generation of people interested into Star Trek. So What you're saying, Rodrigo, is it doesn't have the same emotional investment for you that, say, Los Pitufos right. would have. <laughs> exactly. If they were making a movie of Los Pitufos, then I'd be like, yes. oh, man, that is so not... 
La Pitufina. <laughs> Apparently yeah. Paramount. It's, it's too bad, though, that, that uh, Ray Park, Mr. Hand, had to pass away because he would be Papa Pitufo <laughs> all over the place. Is all Apparently I'm Paramount thinks that the early reviews of the Star Trek movie are gang are, – are, uh, uh, super great – can't mm-hmm. use gangbusters because apparently I'm using it wrong. But Paramount or, has already announced that they've they're going to work on a sequel to this Star Trek reboot. And well, that takes guts. Yes, it does. And apparently, <laughs> uh, they're hoping to have the script done by Christmas so that we can see yeah. a summer 2011 release, which would be just in time for Nerdtacular Five. Well, if this movie's awesome, I mean that could be. Wait, is that Nertacular Five? That would be. Yeah, if it would were be two years from now. Yeah. That would be two years from now. That's weird. That weird. would be weird. Uh, but that's that's great. I mean, it seems like they've got a lot of faith in J.J. Abrams and and in their ability to to perform here. And you know, I really hope they pull it off. They're Trek purists who think this is going to be crap no matter what anyone says. And yeah, I'm personally, Trek you know, what you think everything's going to be crap no matter what anyone says. Yeah, well, that's true. But you want to hear, you want to see Kirk again. You want to hear these stories again. You want that relation, that eternal friendship of Spock and Kirk to play out again. And you want, you want McCoy in, back in full form. But we can't get those guys to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Half of them are dead, and most of them are giant puffy scones who are 100 <laughs> years old. They can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right, so final uh, final question here for everybody, just a real quick uh, answer. Trekker or Trekkie? Scott? Trek, Trek, Trekkie. Uh, I wouldn't say Trekkie like you did. Yeah. I'd say Trekkie. Okay. Like tre- Trekkies to me has always been the term. When people started saying Trekker, it started to sound really stupid to me. Okay. Matthew? Trekkie. Uh, Legionnaire. <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> Pitufo. And I'm going to have to go with Trekker. <laughs> so there we go, everybody. Thank you, Scott Johnson, so much for. Uh, oh, I'm thrilled! Thanks for having, let me come on and uh, chat about this. It's exciting stuff. What else can we plug about your stuff? Plug oh, I don't know. If people <laughs> if people want to uh, check out what I got going on, best place to go is myextralife.com. They'll they'll find everything there. My Twitter feed, the blog, the comic, the radio shows. It's all right there at myextralife.com. All right, everybody. Thank you. That wraps it up for this a little bit extended edition. Don't forget, we've got another episode coming up on Saturday. You're going to want to tune in for that because we've got J.M. DeManis coming onto the show to talk about the life and times of Savior 28. Plus, we're answering email and listener uh, call-in messages, I guess. Feedback. Feedback, there you go. Uh, That's coming up on the next show. Don't forget to tell everyone about the show because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll see you in the next episode. Make it so. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler 
really think about it better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Start raving rich like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. It always drives me nuts. The Space Lincoln episode has Kayless in it. Oh, yeah. And Kayless later appears in Deep Space Nine with a crab on his head. <laughs> so what I want to know is, uh, I don't know, I, I think they did a, a, an episode of Voyager that explained it. But I really, you know, I kind of want to know, no, I believe it was Enterprise. I want to know why some Klingons got crabs on their heads. They explain that. And they, some Klingons just look like guys in brown makeup with, you know, a, a Fu Manchu mustache. They well, explained you that at one point. They, they said something about how they didn't think that the Earthlings could deal with the look of the Romulans. So a lot of them went through some, like, radical uh, plastic surgery, essentially. To have them made to look more human. Was this canonical, Steve, or was this no? In the I'm pretty sure fiction? no. Was this Scott? Am I right on okay. that? There was an episode, and I forgot about this one. And I probably would make this my favorite. I forgot about it. Is it the one where but they go was, back in time for the triples? Yeah, it was season six, I think, and they had all this digital CGI where Cisco shaking Kirk's hand and all that, and it was yeah, really right. fun, a lot of fun. And there was a a scene where, and, and this whole time, Worf's got something wrapped around his head. Yeah, he's like a big old uh, Russian hat. Yeah, a big a big furry yeah. hat. Yeah, and they're in this, they're in the like the cafeteria of the old Enterprise, whatever that is. And all these Klingons come in there in their little gray, like, you know, jumpsuits and stuff, yelling, and you humans are this and that. And somebody says, you know, Worf, why don't they, what's wrong with their foreheads? And they, because these guys had no forehead problem. They just look like Fu Manchu. Yeah, these like these crazy right. mustaches. That right. was it. And, and he said, and, it, and his answer was simply, don't ask. We do so not speak I, of it. Yeah, I don't think they ever explained it as far as I know, but maybe there's something out there. I, I, I could have sworn Todd, there was an episode to, of Enterprise. Maybe that's what it was, but I know Todd Elson. I know, know Todd Elson is listening to this episode, and he's probably I love, the, that, I love that they went through all those hoops to yeah. explain something that came down to simple technology of makeup in the 60s. Yep, exactly. exactly. I love that. Uh, hang on. Wait, wait, wait for it. I may actually have it now. Doesn't have it. All right. Well, man, we have to record yet another episode, essentially. Yeah, you guys are on marathon mode. Well, I'll uh, I'll let you go, but thanks okay. a lot, dude. And I'll uh, I'll be talking to you soon about getting you over to ELR. We need to have you on again. It's been right. too long. No problem, Earth. Scott. Have a great night. I Thank can you come so much. with him if you want something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Space Lincoln for president. And if you Space want Lincoln. To- and if you want uh, two guys who can speak Spanish back and forth, you bring Rodrigo along too. I keep <laughs> oh, saying gee. that if you guys were recording on Tuesday night still. 
that I would just yeah. call you up right in the middle of your show when we're recording right in the middle of our show and do one of those giant crossover events. Oh, that uh, would be, be like, cool. Uh, it would be, be like, like uh, it, it'd be mirror, mirror. Yeah, it's like when Colbert calls uh, John Stewart at the end of uh, yeah. his uh, thing. Just that like would that. be awesome. It would can, be an can, episode can of I Mirror be the Earth Mirror. Two Scott. No, no, yes. you can be the uh, Earth Two uh, Brian. We've got uh, Mirror Mirror Dark Universe uh, uh, O over here with Rodrigo, and I can be Scott. Except instead of the goatee, I've got fat. <laughs> no. Wait, what if I have fat and the goatee? What does that mean? Oh, and I, Brian. I, I didn't touch on it. We should have touched on it in the show. What's that? The lyrics to the Star. Oh, go ahead. Tell us real quick. The lyrics to the Star Trek theme, beyond the rim of the starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches, love, strange love a star woman teaches. This is about Kirk, by the way. I know his journey ends never, his Star Trek will go on forever, but tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. Thank you, drive through. Oh man, wow, that is crazy. And the best part is Roddenberry wrote those himself. And basically, uh, the, the, what I understand is that Gene Roddenberry wrote these specifically so that people could play the song, and he'd be due half the royalties. <laughs> because since he that. since he wrote the lyrics, he was now considered the co-writer of the song. Man, even wow. though it was never actually played in the show with lyrics. Yeah. Thank Maybe God. the movie Which will is, change all that. We'll finally hear that it up there. Awesome. On the <laughs> It'll play in a jukebox in one of the bars. And it'll be done by Randy Newman. Bad <laughs> 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 Never mind. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.